hundred years. Take me back when I was a kid. Never had to worry about what I did. But I'm a man now. What's the plan now? Gotta get it done. No time for fun now. Take me back when I was a kid. Never had to worry about what I did. But I'm a man now. What's the plan now? Gotta move on those days. Start without you even knowing. Yeah, well, now we're going to... So this is stories... Mike Mike Young... We're on. You you don't have to keep announcing that we're on. This is Mike Young, one of my dearest friends and like a brother to me. And uh, all my other siblings have passed away, so it's (laughs) good to have him. I'm the only one left. Yeah, he's it. He's not even blood. But uh, Mike Young, stories that need to be told. We got Backpack Dave here. (laughs) And, um, and 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 what is her name again? Emma, who we just met today. We, we did. I'm sorry, Emma. I've got nine thoughts in my head, and none of them are pure. <laughs> Bob, Bob actually thought that he was hosting the show. He introed it. I did, which is great. No, I always do that. By the way, it, I couldn't do a better intro of my own show. Well, today we have Mike Young on his own show. <laughs> Thank you. And I'm uh, I'm his friend Bob, and uh, I'll be doing uh, we're doing uh, stand up and touring and doing all that kind of stuff. We've been we've been touring. This is Bob Saget. If you can't recognize the voice or see the face, I like to uh, I, on on the video. I had too much headroom. I, I like that. Yeah, no, you that way, once in a while. If I sit up, it'll be good. But by the way, you look phenomenal from that angle. You you went right to the I'm, camera. I moved the camera. You lifted it up to a perfect position. I like could lower you, like it. I could make it better, but I'm not gonna. No, but you're a director. You know. I know. All I about know when it. to make it leave it bad. Yeah, you've been you've you've done it all. <laughs> yeah, well, if you leave it bad enough, you can't use it. <laughs> So we, I met, I met, I met you uh, when uh, you were writing on Entourage, and I was uh, starting to guest on there. Yes, I was uncredited writer with an office for two years, two seasons of Entourage. Uh, Doug Allen, our mutual friend, created the show, and I was punching up jokes, right, working on storylines, working on outlines, doing the whole thing. And somebody, while I was on the road doing comedy, one of the guys over there, Cliff. Basically, Cliff Dorfman said, "You yeah. got to meet Bob Saget." Said I, he said, "I think Bob Mike should open for you on the road." And, and I said, uh, "Okay." And it was a love connection. Yeah. I was coming through Tempe, and you were coming the next day. And on the Tempe crossover, Dan Murr, rest in peace, was there at the time. Do you but, think uh, people rest in peace? Probably, if if you're tortured. I mean, he was he a needed, tortured he soul. He needs to rest in peace. His body exploded. He I needed, saw. You, we, saw, you we, saw the end of days. We saw too many things. I don't. You know I, I mean? don't want to see that stuff. No, but uh, but that's how that's how you and I. That's how Bob and Mike met in Tempe. And you it's said talking third person. You about said you said time. you said come and open for me, for you, and I did. And it's been years now, and I couldn't be happier. So we're not moving forward. I mean, what are we going to no, do? But we're, we're not getting some, married. We're not. No, I don't mean that. I didn't mean physically. I just mean you know. But. but Right, right now, I need to do stand up more than ever. I didn't even think I needed to. So all of a sudden, I called you and said, "Hey, I just booked a ton of clubs because when you want, we both are like trying to push each other to write new stuff and come up with new stuff. It's not always writing. Cause you, you can say writing, but you end up looking at your if it's a notepad, it ends up being one inch print, and that's right. not writing. <laughs> that's that's like hieroglyphics. So I, but I I put it on the phone iCloud and just uh, you know on the notepad and just kind of go crazy. I put it on the iCloud. 
<laughs> no, but you do when you when you go through a writing phase. I notice you do physically write, and you will read to me if we get to a gig. You'll read it off your phone. You'll like you will physically go at it, and I always work it out, and I tee it up by going, "Is there anything here?" <laughs> no, yeah. but it's funny because as like as as funny and loose and casual as it seems like you do things on stage and you nail it, nail it, nail it. People don't really realize that there's the work. It's all prep. It's prep. People, I I had someone, um, my last special zero to 60, I had, uh, someone didn't um, saw the set and said, this isn't a set. This is, what are you doing? You're just making stuff up. And that was Word for not word for word, but I mean, because I I do improv a bit. I try to make it real and try to sometimes. Yes, I didn't say that before that was recorded for for the show, but it's it's pretty much the show. It's pretty much the new stuff. So that's almost a compliment to you to for for somebody. Well, it's but but it's ignorance of them of how comedy works of how you know the idea is. You know, so there are comedians I used to idolize, and they would say, "I made up eighty percent of." I'm putting on chapstick, everybody. <laughs> Sorry, Bob's keeping moist. I on haven't the show. slept. I haven't slept. So bad night of sleep. I haven't had a good night of sleep in a few days. I'm sorry. Yeah, I watched the news, and then um, the big joke was, uh, you know, uh, they got them all out. You know, that was the big the news. No, I thought it was the White House. I thought it, they just cleaned it out. <laughs> Is uh, that your opener for Irvine? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. They swept They swept the place. By so, the way, it's strong. It's strong, but I bet you anything. Colbert, Seth Meyers, Jimmy Kimmel, and um, uh, somebody else all said it at the same time. I mean, it's a, it's a very obvious joke. Right. I mean, it's kind of like misunderstanding. Yo, but so it's, you- it's political. It's, I don't even do political humor, but... but to have all those kids rescued, uh, and it was a coal mine eventually at one point, right? Right. Or was was that what it was? was they were it, so casual. The was kids, it a coal mine though? I don't know. Stock tip. You know if it was a coal mine they were in, the cave. You don't know. He just shakes his head and he's got a mic. <laughs> he's no. I mean, he's I, been told. you got to put like a walnut in your head so I can hear you. <laughs> yeah. No, no. I heard about it yesterday, but I don't know if it was like a cave or, but. Yeah. They were all stuck there. They, got they were stuck in it. Yeah, we don't know nothing. We don't care about anything. They I mean, seem we, like they knew they were going to get out. They, all the kids are happy. They're all smiling. They haven't eaten in 18 days. Well, they're on a fast. They're just well, inter- you, yeah, you know like, how good you feel on like Yom Kippur. <laughs> you feel great on an empty stomach. <laughs> just give them some sturgeon. But I, I'm just, uh, it, it was the only good news that we've seen. We have not seen any good news. Yeah, no. There's it's... been nothing that goes, hey, something wonderful. Well, that's not, that's not true. There have been a couple wonderful things that happened because some of the horrible things that happened uh, were reversed, so they're not as horrible. Right. But good <laughs> news. People that are making things horrible are finding out that people don't like it, so they go and try to make things wonderful so they're not hated. And right. that's not anything. That's like a kid that shoplifts, gets caught, and then decides to do social work that week. Community service. Yeah, because right. you have to, because you stole the little pop gun. <laughs> I've done community service. I bet you have. I've painted a school. I, you did? Yeah, I had to do community service. I got caught stealing once in college. The last thing I ever stole in my life, I got. I was embarrassed. You know, I was. You know, you know me. Yeah. Edgy, little edgy Detroit background. Yeah, you know, that. you're not not that edgy. edgy, but I mean, I, I mean, went you're, through you're a little phase. You're a nice guy, but if you're but if you're in a mode where you're uh, out and about and and maybe uh, having any drinks or anything, 
if anybody came by and like sideswiped you or started something, you'd be the first on your feet and right and reactive. Right. Which so that, I, I'm the guy that says, "Mike, take care of that," and runs out the back. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> which is odd because you're oddly strong, but you're not a fighter, which is a great thing. Well, you are because a lover I, well, and a sensitive dude. Well, that's why we work together because I'm such a great lover. <laughs> Yeah. And you're a fighter, yeah. so so uh, it's a perfect match. Yeah, so so while I make love, you punch me, and that's, <laughs> that's basically the only thing that turns me on anymore. <laughs> I have a question. So you started to talk about the people that you admired, and then we got cut off by the chapstick. Who were your idols coming up? And did we talk who, about that? You started to talk about it, and then you took the chapstick out, and you stopped talking about it. We went on. I didn't realize I was talking about people that I. You said I the people that I used to admire because you were talking about the the way you craft jokes. You started talking about oh, the way you craft jokes. Oh yeah, jokes. yeah. Oh, I didn't say admire. I said I. I you said all my favorite. All well, my there was someone comedian. that really wasn't my favorite, but he was famous. I don't want to say his name, but but, okay. but I met him years ago, and he told me to quit show business. And I was 23, and I was opening for Jose Feliciano at the at the Claridge in Atlantic City, and he told me that uh, it's a terrible business, and he hated show business, and he, he was a well known comedian, but not like it's not Don Rickles, it's not right. Roddy Dangerfield, and he was a guy that was saying that he made up 85% of everything he said on stage every show. And that's just a lie. So he lied to me. And so he was a liar. So, you know, because there's a lot of comedians, even now, that are kind of at the lower depths of, of... humanity yeah (laughs) but that's true of just everybody i mean nobody's on their high game right now a few people are and you look at someone like elon musk that says i'm gonna i'm gonna dive down there myself in a missile you know i'm tony stark you know right Uh, that that, (laughs) you you like that you know yeah and then you you see some comedians or that are exactly the opposite that are lifting us up right now that you're watching, that you're going, wait a minute, this is making me feel good. Right. And it's not from hanging out at the comedy store or the improv or, you know, watching 15 people. It's for... High art. Yeah. And some of them are those people. You know, some some of them are right. people that are doing, you know, oh, wow, did you see their last special? They did like a 10-minute thing that was so interesting, you know. Or, so that's a good moment for stand-up. It, it's a good moment. Yeah, it definitely com- is a resurgence. And it's also, I was just doing an interview with somebody to sell tickets. And uh, <laughs> <laughs> How are we doing for Friday and Saturday? Oh, it's all good. Yeah, we're going to be all yeah, good. Yeah, not a big Orthodox Jewish audience on yeah. Friday. No. But, um, and, uh, Bob? panics right up to the last moment no no i don't panic not panics but like you'll be like i don't know i don't and then we're always packed this is true of everybody but it's 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 true of everybody i'm giving you a compliment i appreciate it but i I feel bad that i do it i mean i shouldn't care No, no no it's your level of care and this is somebody who's been consistently working at a high level for 40 some years but your level of 109 you're 107 years old yeah and your level of care is what impresses me. And I, you know, your, we ten, your tenderness uh, is what I appreciate. <laughs> I'm so tender. <laughs> and then you and you use fabric softener. Which Thank is God, always, my my shit. Was and you stiff don't before. use any of that cologne. Some guys that, but you wear a chain sometimes. Some guys that wear a chain. I got a new chain. Oh, it's me, not out. You showed it to it? me. No, I didn't. Yeah, you did. When? The other day. I just got it two days ago. I haven't seen you since. The yeah, new you, chain. yeah, you did. Where we see each other? No. <laughs> No. I just saw you, didn't <laughs> You I? saw a picture of the new chain, maybe. Uh, I, maybe don't I don't know where. We, I just got it two days ago. Oh, we did FaceTime. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I, I saw the, it. Oh, yeah, yeah, you saw it. Comedy yeah. store, back lot. Mama didn't raise no fool. <laughs> no. 
<laughs> I saw that damn chain. But I want. But listen, not everybody. I think you showed your wiener too. I'm not sure. <laughs> it has a chain. And where's the got, chain? Got a new well, chain. You, you got to keep them down. Smaller chain. Got to teach chain. them a lesson. It's a ring. You should put an anvil on it. Yeah. That'll well, that makes it uh, bigger. I think Stock Tip Dave wants to say you something. Want, no, you think, something. Every time ahead, I, every time I've seen you guys perform, it's always been sold out. From Irvine to. Um, Ontario, Ontario. Like every time I'm there, it's sold out. Bullshit. Really? Yeah. Bob I don't know. We got Ontario of... coming up. I don't know because what happened is I didn't give advance notice on these gigs. This was like you know a month ago. I said I've got to do stand up. I want to come up with a new hour. It's going to take me uh, a year. Yep. Um, so I've got to do it, and so I've got to write new songs. And I, but I want to do the stuff too of my last special because it wasn't long ago. Right. So people that. People do like to hear stuff that they've heard. It's c- confusing for a lot of comedians. They go, no, it's going to be a brand new hour. Bill Burr is like a freaking amazing thing. Machine. It's an anomaly. You right. know, you know, it's a whole new hour. You know, but this, And it's a good, it's and a Jim, good new Jim, hour. Jim Gaffigan, you know, let's go out and just do a brand new hour. And usually I'm three, act, three years between... Right, you know, uh, whatever. Yo, what do you think that is, though? What do you think it is that, like, the back in the day, like a guy like a Seinfeld would do ten years of the same material, and now everybody's on this one hour every year? What's the? Is it because of well, social no, I, media? No, I don't think it's that. Uh, There's like a new. No, wave. you just did a full 180, though. Those are two completely different realms. Because one, Jerry didn't do. Jerry did new stand up more than every ten years. Jerry would do the the same act for. A couple of years, and then you know, put in you know five minutes of uh, uh, every stuff. couple of months, and and that's and and his stuff was perfection, and it it just and he made it real every time he did it because he's consummate. He's yeah. just unbelievable. Unbelievable. But but it wasn't ten years. That, I thought when he retired his act on the Netflix special, when he said, "I'm telling you for the last time," that special. I thought that it was because he had done that same act for a good number of years and was like saying, you "I'm might be, done with you it." Might, you might be right. I mean, I actually did not see that because I lived it, so I didn't. <laughs> I was like, I could watch it again, but I, I started watching it, and then I, I just get busy. So I don't, it's not yeah. that I don't want to watch other comedians. I also don't like the idea that I could buy through any kind of osmosis, do something that someone else did. You know, when I hear a joke, usually someone took mine. Right. You know, Colbert did a joke of mine the other night. It was like, what? What writer took that? You right. know? And then I went, Somebody's no, lurking. it's common mind thinking. People just do it. And so people have blamed me over the years of taking a joke. And it's like, it's impossible. And then... I'll have a rude awakening and find out that I'm like one of the idols in my life is one of the people I was now I could say, you know, obviously Steve Martin and and Woody Allen and then Charlie Chaplin didn't wasn't as verbal. But um <laughs> but I mean uh, Martin Mull was someone that I saw when I was seventeen and he did comedy music and I did comedy music since I was fourteen before I saw Martin Mull. So when I saw him at 17, I was like, oh my God, because I had written songs that I went up at the Improv in New York and I was 17 years old singing about bondage or I sang a song <laughs> called She's a Man. And I, I still have those themes. You know, Absolutely. Re- re- Transition is a re- huge hit. It's a giant thing that I'll be doing this weekend but um, and next weekend and the weekend after. 
just uh, check your local listings. No, but you're getting to the point. I mean, not that you're getting to the point, but isn't it? It's kind of funny. Like I've been watching, and like I'm noticing more and more people know your lyrics to the point where you're getting the which whole is where you crowd. Want. That's what you want. Singing your song. Well, that's what Martin cool Mar- Mar- Martin Mull did it. I mean, it, as far as comedy songs go, and Eric Idle did it as far as comedy songs go, and with Monty Python, as far as people I look up to and and actually know. But uh, Martin did kind of the best. He did a song once. Um, people should go through Martin Mo stuff. Uh, he did a, a piece where uh, he said, I'm not going to curse, so whenever there's anything that uh, would be lascivious or something, I'm just going to I'm gonna hum it. So he goes, and we, and we began to hmm, hmm, hmm. And he goes, whips and chains, hmm, hmm, hmm. Great Danes, hmm, hmm, hmm. From the chandelier. You know, it's just like really. Genius. I mean, he, I've seen two of your songs that were just very catchy. <laughs> yeah, there they are. They're like warts, congenital warts. My song. You talked about putting one out as, a, as an actual single. You think you're going to do it? I mean, I, th- I think I don't you should. Know. I don't have time right now to do anything. I'm just trying to uh, work on... A, a million things and I'm just I've just been really busy are you feeling good are you yeah feeling, I'm tired like I haven't gonna... been sleeping I'm, I'm a sleep deprived uh, Jew right now yeah, that's not I good I feel for like you. I've been in the camps <laughs> God forbid <laughs> that's not good for you sleep deprivation you don't do well either. no I don't I don't but I came here for you because there's stories that need to be told there are stories that need to be told um these Since headphones this is, always itch my head I yeah. hate headphones because I know where they've been Who's who, was, who had these you on have Frasers on so I got Frazier's You got Frazier's ears. Frazier's wears some kind of butch wax product <laughs> you on got, his hair. You got a, Yeah, you got Frazier gel oh in your head. Oh, my God. I got to wash my hair. It was so clean when I came in. So listen, this is stories that need to be told. So every now and then I like to ask stories. I know we like to go off, but like you're... And cla- stories are fun. Stories are... And you're a master storyteller. So well, let me... Well, that's get, really nice. You're a great you're storyteller. You're just saying that because I came here and I, Absolutely. Don't get, I don't get paid. I don't mean it at all. You get to put me on the thing. I pay you in Diet Coke. That's the worst thing for you. What, what, do, do you not? You just make me not enjoy things. Is Sorry. that how life is? Listen, I thought we were going on a health kick. You're, you know what I mean? What, what are we? What are healthy, what is married. It? What, your marriage is coming. What are we in a relay race and two potato sacks? No, what do you mean? <laughs> I thought we were going on a health kick. You going on my honeymoon with me? Am I? No. no. Are we doing gigs in Hawaii or something? No. What's going I, on? I'm not going to Hawaii for Could my honeymoon. Me on the honeymoon. Come on, I want to lay you. I'm just um, looking forward to the wedding. I just want to throw a fish in a volcano. Tell me about your class of comedians coming up when you were first coming to, in L.A. To, at the comedy store. What? Were there guys that you knew just from looking at them? Within every every days one of them. That were going to hit? It was, a, it was similar, but uh, ten times as far as talent goes as to what we have now. Yeah. Um, Because everybody's good now. I mean, everybody's out there. Most of the people that are up at the comedy store or even at Improv and Laugh Factory, a lot of them are out headlining around the country and in different levels of, you know, when it it was 1978 and I came out here, uh, that was right after Freddie Prince died and it was right after Steve Martin had exploded onto the scene and then decided not to do stand-up again. Um, it, it was that's the comedy boom. So I was at the comedy store and the improv, and uh, I had won the student Oscar for a film I made about my nephew having his face reconstructed, which really happened. Yeah, there was that movie Wonder. It's the same premise, uh, but oh, wow. it, but he narrated it. He had this thing called Treacher Collins syndrome, which is uh, it's just a 
upsetting thing to happen to you. Yeah. And he's overcome it. And he had the surgery and everything was great. And he's wonderful. And he's, Adam. He's Adam. Adam Saget. Love uh, Adam. My neighbor. Uh, realtor. He's a good, really good realtor. <laughs> need a house? Call Adam. Yeah, adamsaget.com. Yeah, he'll get you anything. I'll get you anything you need. What do you need? Diet Coke? So you're at the comedy store. Do you, uh, uh, do you so know I, at the time that you're amongst... What's a you know? I don't one, know. I know I wanted to be there because I'd watched the Tonight Show and he kept saying Johnny kept saying, "Oh, this guy from the Comedy Store is coming on," and um, <laughs> and so my first MC was Letterman. Um, and then that night on stage, the night that I first I got passed right away by Mitzi, meaning accepted, and that was on an open mic. You should. I want to go to grad school, Mitzi. I'm going to go to USC. You shouldn't go to grad school. You should work here. And then I decided, uh, okay, no grad school. Went to grad school for three days. I was cocky. I quit USC grad school. Wow. We didn't have any money, so my parents had to pay for it. And I figured I'd save them the dough and work for free at the comedy store. That was going to work out. Everybody worked for free. And then after the strike, they ended up, Mitzi ended up paying. And it was a tragic time, you know. And there's a lot of stuff that replicates it on TV that's not what it was. It's not how it happened. It's not how comics are. Right, right, right. It is how some of them are, but they're bitter bastards. So I was was pretty miserable. I mean, it was was real fun, and it was also incredibly frustrating. And I ended up hosting a lot in Westwood, and then they closed that store, and then I started working... Uh, the OR a lot, the original room, and uh, for you listeners that don't know anything about what I'm saying, it doesn't really matter. <laughs> but, the comedy but, but, store is but, obviously the legendary playground of comedians, the it, boxing in gym in L.A. Right, in New York. It all started in New York, right? right? And it, it hadn't come here yet. It, it was, I guess, four years earlier than I got here that Mitzi opened the room, and Sammy Shore, her ex-husband, started it, and then she got it in the settlement and took it over and turned it into this amazing thing. And um, Richard Pryor really put it on the map. And so the first night, I really had a, a spot. Uh, Letterman brought me up, and I, uh, Billy Crystal was on, and Michael Keaton, and. Jeff wow. Altman was exploding, and he was this guy that you, everybody was competing with this crazy energy, and it was, you know, 1978, so cocaine was in the air. And, <laughs> um, I mean, it was, it was everywhere. Yeah. Um, and um, I was, uh, I remember Billy Crystal had gone on and then came and sat next to me and, and said, you're really good, you're going to do well. And I just started talking to all these guys. Leno went up. I knew Leno because I had been a, an intern on the Mike Douglas show in Philadelphia and Leno did his first television appearance on the Mike Douglas show and I was there and it was wow. his very first thing you'd done so all of a sudden I felt like oh this is where I should be and um, it was pretty intense and then Mitzi put me on a college tour so I was headlining right away which meant keep the guitar on you know and did that happen kind of fast for you? I mean, it happened immediately. But immediately. I'd already in Philadelphia. I'd already been doing improv with a group called Mixed Nuts, who are friends of mine. Um, and Sam Domsky was my comedy partner, and we performed at University of Pennsylvania, all the, all the dorms and at, at House of Pagano's Pizza. So you didn't just start at the comedy store. You had. It started stage when I was seventeen. You- well, I'd won a radio contest in Philly for a WMMR when I was seventeen. So I started doing stand-up at 17, and a lot of it was musical. It was all musical. I never took the guitar off. And then um, at when I came to the comedy store, I had a, my guitar was on, 
And then I eventually took it off and wouldn't use it. Then she had me emceeing, and that was kind of the best thing she could have done for me. Yep. Uh, I mean, it really was Mitzi that, that got me going. She um, said, Lou, would she say, you're not bringing the guitar during no, your emceeing? No, Just no, I was hosting. Right. She, she made me the MC, so you don't have to tell somebody, don't bring the guitar. Because what do you come back every time with the guitar on? It's like By the way, a Viking what helmet, you know? It's like uh, you don't need to do a prop if you're a prop act. You don't. MC the show and have fake teeth come out of your mouth every time you go up. There are no guitar MCs. That no, is true. That, it's impossible. impossible. You hit, you'll hit someone in the head like uh, Quick Straw McGraw. <laughs> <laughs> up next. That's, no. uh, everybody does the same jokes for the guitar, too. Yeah. It's so funny. And, and then without even meaning to, I took something from Martin Mull and didn't even know it. And I, was, and I just saw it on something he did, and I swear to God, I thought it was me. And I was told this by, um, I believe, Steve Martin when I interviewed him for this documentary. And um, the line, and I said it on a special, and I've got to talk to Martin about it because I feel really bad. And I hope he says to me, oh, that's older than the hills, but probably not. It's probably a Martin Mull. He is original. Yeah. He's an artist. He's a great painter. That's what kind of the documentary is about. But... um, the joke was, uh, thank you for coming, or however you reacted from seeing me live. And that's how I phrased it, but his yeah. was, uh, you know, thank you for coming, or however you reacted, I think is how he did it. He did it simpler. And was it not till years and years and years later that you two, even It wasn't until two weeks ago. Wow. Oh, you didn't even tell I, me that. That's I, amazing. I, and so apparently, I must have heard it when I was 17, or... I heard it and never. I never said it till I was in my forties. Yeah. So I didn't say it till I was well known. I, you know, I, I, I don't understand it. It just is subconscious like, influence. Well, a subconscious coincidence, but it still feels like thievery to me. It still feels bad. So that's it for that line. I know yeah. that line from you. That's yeah, it yeah, for that yeah, line. Yeah. yeah. So that to me, that's so interesting because I can never he say was that probably again. he was probably a major influence at seventeen. You stored that; it fits your style. I don't know if I stored it. I I guess I did. But I'm saying that's your style anyway, so you can come up with well, another had, line. Well, I had done a joke. I was on Carson and I was on panel. I never did stand up, but I did like thirteen panel appearances, and Johnny liked me, and I was really was pretty amazing to be wow. on there. And I had a joke um, when when Paul Newman first came out on salad dressing, and I said, um, uh, you know, and it was uh, not came out, you know, I mean, yeah. was on it, yeah, popped and, up on uh, the label. right, and it was for charity, and it was Paul Newman, and he's like everybody's hero, and he's amazing, and I said, Paul Newman's on salad dressing. Does that mean he's missing? That was the joke, <laughs> and then I and then I had two tags. I said and. Uh, and Chuck Bardee, he's been missing for like 20 years. And then the real punchline was that guy on the Quaker Oats box. I don't think we're ever going to see him again. That's, that's a great. That's, that's a great. great. The third one's really good. And then two weeks later on Tonight Show, Johnny Carson says, Paul Newman's on salad dressing. Does that mean he's missing? Oh, so wow. one of his writers just took it from me without even knowing it. But they knew it. But they didn't know it. They didn't, right. they didn't really know it. I don't think. No, and, there's... And, and it's also kind of a common premise that you would think of. And it was also in Newsweek. I opened up and there was a cartoon. And it said, the husband's talking to the wife. It said, Paul Newman's on salad dressing. Does that mean he's missing? It might have been so the best joke of the year so you came up well, with. Well, I, I, I mean, I said it on The Tonight Show maybe before, definitely before the Newsweek and definitely before Johnny said it. But what good does that do you? Right. You know? 
And then, you know, there's comics, a couple of them were real famous, a couple of them not alive anymore, that yeah. were known for stealing jokes. And a couple of them I love so much that I'd give them 10 jokes if they were alive. Right. So it doesn't really matter. Just write another joke. It's funny because you never think you'll take a joke, but that hap that's happened to me once or twice. One time on stage, I just said something years ago, and, I, and after I said it on stage, I said, I think I just said a Joe Rogan joke like i, I oh you I don't want to do that no i but no, i didn't even know where he, he's the one that took uh you know took carlos out with yeah Car and, Carl and stuff uh, yeah but joe i mean joe's a friend and i would never i've never stole i've never i can honestly say i think he's, I, I think, he's a good guy yeah he's an honest guy and i think i've never stolen a joke you know what i mean but when i was like 12 13 years old i used to listen to all the richard Pryor recordings you know i would just listen to him all the time right and then as i when i got a little older i got into like boxing and whatever and i had like i whatever i sparred with james tony who was like a professional boxer and i wrote a bit about it and then i realized that i wrote the bit structurally kind of the same way when Pryor had his own bit about like sparring with muhammad ali and nobody told ali that they it was a charity event and ali like hurt Pryor. he was like scared did anybody tell this guy we're, it's a charity event? You know what I mean? But my whole bit was kind of you were definitely influenced by Pryor. That's good to keep your phone on during your podcast so everybody I don't can know. hear it. I saw your phone was on. I just didn't, I didn't shut my it My phone's on silent. I was like, oh, look, Doug Allen's texting. I think he knows you're on. Oh, that's great. No, he doesn't know because this is not live streaming. Have you talked to Doug lately? Uh, why don't we talk about private <laughs> yeah. things on here? No, I have not, but yeah. I've been following him on Instagram. It looks happy. Yeah, that's all you need to do. Yeah. Let's but talk it, private stuff that we shouldn't talk about on anything on a professional radio show. No, but I think uh, I think it's I, interesting. Well, Richard Pryor started, uh, and Bill Cosby was pissed off by kind of doing some of his kind of stuff. Um, I, don't, I don't think it was as word perfect, but I think... Um, it didn't make Bill happy, from what I recall. Were, were you around to see Pryor's transition from when he was no, you know, doing joke? No, he was already the realest thing in the world. Nineteen seventy-eight, when I got to the Comedy Store, you know, he was they, already the man. They did a Comedy Store special, and then they they put the the, the crown on him and the and the cape. And uh, yeah. Robin was there. Robin was always incredibly nice to me. Right away, when he saw me, he went, oh, so your mother's gummy and your father's pokey and you're Mr. Potato Head? <laughs> and I went, yeah, that's what I said. He says, this is a, ooh, okay. And because that's, that's not easy stuff to lift, you know? Right. That's that's a, uh, you that's can't a... really, yeah, I just had non sequiturs. I just decided to say stuff nobody else said. And then as I got, you weren't allowed to be dirty when you started there. You had to be clean. And and I was, uh, and some people were annoyed at me that over the transition of, you know, okay, I've done the video show for eight years. Okay, I did Full House for eight years. And f about year two of both of the shows, I did an HBO special where I was just blue. You know, I was just, I had more, just said fuck a bunch. And it wasn't really meant to be, um, uh, shock value? No, I didn't do it for shock value. I did it for just what I... I, I nobody's telling me I can't say anything now. Well, it's the real so, you was coming out. Well, the way you want to do you? Way, when I'm in front of a certain kind of audience. You know, if you put me in front of a bunch of drinking people at 10.30 at night, I'm, I'm just... I, but that's not what I want to do now. Now I'm feeling like, wouldn't it be cool to not go that route but to be you can say stuff that's considered edgy or whatever but it doesn't have to have the word 
you know, right. fuck in it. It doesn't have to be used as a verb, that's for sure. I've noticed over the last few years working with you that you're going more into, like, actually telling stories and you're getting, like, you're, you're bringing up, like, more of your real-life stuff and it's not as many one-line bangers that might be considered blue. Like, I think, because that's the beauty of comedy, right? It's a never-ending art that can no, go you whatever change. direction you evolve. you're going. And you look at the people you like the most. Well, some people get the same person uh, every time throughout their career, but other times you'll see somebody go through just some major transition. It'd be very funny to see me just go all clean. <laughs> You're going into clean, actual stories. Like- I'm still doing Fuller House, so I can't have kids turn on a special and need therapy. <laughs> Does that is that in your mind though? When you're doing, I mean, do you have? Do you have that thought? Like I'm still doing Fuller House, so I gotta stay this. You, you, no, no, you I've, do ne- your I've, thing. I've never had that thought. I, I the audience is, I'm, you know, I'm I'm established enough that thank goodness that people uh, know what they're getting, and they they know when I'm doing that show that I'm playing a part. I mean, it's nothing. It's not anything. There's no rocket science to it. I think it's the perfect irony of Bob. Of uh, it's like you're doing Complete everything. Family. You, I mean, then, it's just the irony that works for your audience. I just, I did something. Well, I, I, I cut you off because the compliments embarrassed me. Nobody could take a compliment anymore. Well, Breathe but, it in. Well, nobody gives them either. That's nice of you. Yeah, I'm a compliment. I mean, like, I'm being honest. Most people are cynical. Dave's well, dying, biting his lips. Yeah, what, what, your pill didn't kick in? What's going on, Dave? No, what, no, what no. Because there's, there's two things I want to check. Because you're, you're right about the, you know, him being on Full House and then his comedy bit. Because, like, the first time I saw you live, I was actually surprised. Because I grew up with you, you know, as Full House. And then yeah, I saw the different side of you. Yeah, oh. but that's just an acting part. Why don't yeah. people know that? Oh, Do they I, think Mr. Belvedere goes home? And <laughs> well, I think he did act like that. <laughs> he might, but I he mean, might have. It, you know, it's so weird that I'm an actual actor and people don't see that. Like I was, the last thing I was in on Broadway, I played a Lutheran pastor. And that makes Danny Tanner look like. By the you way, know, I went to the play. It was fan- It was crazy. Uh, you thanks. Put, you well, it was this play. I took off. over for this Mark, guy, Mark Kudish, who's a great actor, and it's called Hand of God. And the cast, uh, Stephen Boyer, and uh, oh my God, Geneva Carr, and, and Michael Oberholzer, and uh, and Sarah Styles. That's the cast. Who's Oberholzer? Was he the kid with the puppet? The actual? No, that who, Stephen the, Boyer is Stephen the kid Boyer. with the puppet. And he's on, he goes from NBC show to NBC show because he's just this unusually talented Th- guy. That that was one of the greatest performances by that. I mean, I, and it's that, one that of the amazing. best plays. I mean, it's just this amazing play but it's you know it's pretty edgy there was a hand of god that jim parsons did but this is hand to god right and they got a bunch of tony nominations and i was just proud to come in i came in at the end i'm a closer you know Yo, what a pr- you've done you've done Broadway. I mean, that's a huge it's that's fun. a major thing. I really like it. I mean, we we haven't talked you haven't you know, you did it last it was last year hand to god no, that two was years like ago. 2 years ago. 2 years ago. But I mean, that has got to be such a different muscle that you're working. There's like another yeah. part of your brain that's got to go to work well, on you're that. Well, you're acting. You're full you're, acting, you're, memory, acting, fear. Well, you you Is there a fear? No, no. No. It's only fear if I don't know my line. I just have to hit my cues and, and know my lines and be real. Just be totally real and take direction. And then sometimes you'll do like your 50th performance and you'll go, oh, wait, the director told me to do this here. And that was two months ago. I think I should try it. And then you, go, <laughs> and then you do it and you go, wow, that worked well. And that really helped him. 
because a lot of the stuff I was doing, I was kind of trying to be an exorcist for this kid that had the devil on his hand as a puppet during <laughs> Sunday school. That's crazy. Uh, it was uh, puppet therapy kind of for kids, but the kid was possessed by the devil in his hand. And it's it's a it's kind of a perfect play. Yeah, it was a great play. Mm-hmm. Do you have a favorite? Do you like doing plays more than acting in a TV show, more than... I like doing you, anything good. I just did a thing. There's no I just, favorite. Uh, no, I, I'm a thousand percent whatever I'm working on. Yep. Uh, I loved doing this thing for this guy, um, Andy Beckerman, who's a great writer. He wrote Monk and uh, and made and produced it. And he's doing this new show called The Good Cop on Netflix with Josh Groban and Tony Danza. And awesome. Josh Groban is really talented. So he's it's like Columbo, you know. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, and I'm. Uh, I'm accused of uh, killing my assistant, uh, and I'm the uh, talk show host. So I, I did that, That's and that comes part. on September 17th or something like that. And that, um, they Andy was just texting me the other night because I like to text men late at night that are fun, they're talented. <laughs> and he and he was just saying it's one of their favorite episodes, and they did like 13 of them, I think. But it's it's a really good show. There's it's so well written and. Uh, my God, Josh Groban can just do anything. He's just this thing. He's just so singer, um, actor. But such a good, but such a good. Seems singer. like a good dude too. Oh, he's one of the best people. I wanted to be friends with him so long. I actually <laughs> had a mutual friend, Ben Folds, and I I met Josh Groban at a Ben Folds concert afterward, and then I actually said um, uh, that we were friends in something in some interview, and he said. Um, you, you're not uh, friends uh, with me. We're <laughs> we're acquaintances, and so I, I got I got caught. That is hilarious. Some guy just came in. Is he part of this? Oh, that's Brenton. He uh, he 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 works for All Things Comedy. Oh, you do. He comes in. He snaps pictures. If you're gonna snap pictures, aim higher. Let me help you out here. Even higher. Yeah, <laughs> yeah there you go. And go, si- and go sideways with it. Go horizontal. Because who the hell uses a vertical picture unless you're trying that Instagram TV? That's it's a mid-podcast photo Smile, shoot. Smile, Mike. Look at the camera. I like this. Mid-podcast photo oh, shoot. We're going to do it. Shoot. Yeah, the podcast don't matter. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing better than dead air on a podcast. Yeah, you're right. Come and take pictures. It. He got it. If actually, if I'm allowed to say, angle. one of the stories that you told that I thought was um, fantastic was your relationship with Roddy Dangerfield. I heard you say that live at one of your performances. And I just was like, I wanted to hear about more about your relationship with him. He was pretty um, influential in my life because I was having a lot of uh, doubts and insecurities, and um, I was it was like the video show was like number one, and Full House was like number four, and uh, in the ratings, and and I went to the Beverly Hilton where he was living, <laughs> and he would you just I saw him you know walk across the street with his shorts coming off and. His, <laughs> Uh, you could see his balls hanging out. But and seriously, and, and he had surgery in his chest, so he had like the shirt was open all the way. So you could see his wound, and and I go, went up to talk to him, and he goes, oh, "Let's talk, man." And he sits there, and he lights a joint. He loves pot, and and um, I said, "I'm just frustrated. You know, I don't feel like I'm being funny. I'm hosting a clip show, and and the rewards are great. You know, they, I get paid well, and." And I'm playing this guy, and people think I'm that guy, and I'm 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 part that guy, but it's just I'm an actor. And 
He goes, let me tell you something, man. You don't know cock. <laughs> and I'd never heard that word used as a uh, an adverb, yeah. I believe. It should have been anything. Yeah. You don't know anything, but uh, that's an adverb, right? Noun. It's not a noun, is it? Yeah. I mean, you'd be shit. No. You don't know shit. You don't know jack. You don't know anything. That's not a noun. Well, if you don't know if you don't know shit, it would be shit. No, shit's a no, noun. shit is a noun if you use it as a noun. Look at that. That is shit. That's a noun. Yeah. <laughs> Co- look at that cock. That's a noun. <laughs> yeah. But if you don't know cock, that doesn't. That's not a noun. I don't think it's an adverb though. But let's keep going. It's prepos- I'll look it it's up. It's not a preposition. That's like the it. You're talking which. to a lifetime C student. Yeah, I really. <laughs> I felt that with your answer. Yeah, I'm a lifetime. You've said it to me before. It's an, it's I'm an, very smart in certain aspects. All, all I got out of this I'm podcast not. is that shit and cock are nouns. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Thinking stories that need to be told. Did Rodney become somewhat of a mentor? And my question yes, is. Yes, because I met him in San Diego uh, at the comedy store in La Jolla. And he just walked in. He went, "You're funny, man. You you, you got a Jewish head. You're never gonna be normal. You know. You're never gonna. You're never gonna sleep. You're never gonna be happy." Yeah, <laughs> yo, isn't it isn't it crazy that in this business sometimes all you want is like compliments from the people you respect? Yeah, you know, and it's really it's more it's than really... money. Sometimes it's just more. It's like what you look. It's like the longing to belong type of thing. They're very much so. You and, know? and it's so funny. The comedians are outsiders, so wherever they come from, they're they're from the outside. But they all when they congregate in it, or they get to talk to somebody that they go like, I can't believe I'm fucking talking to this guy. Yeah. Or lady. I can't believe it. You know? Um, I won't be friends with a lame comedian. I just, if I, if you're, it's a weird thing. Our community, our little fraternity. You'll smoke pot with them though. Yeah, I'll, I'll take their weed. <laughs> I wouldn't, if somebody is not a good comedian, I will not put my mouth where their mouth has been. That's a great rule. I'm having trouble <laughs> with a, these headsets right now. That's, that's, that's a, that's a, that's a I think there should rule. be something about headset steamage in a dishwasher or something before you bring on your next guest. Yo, I want to ask you... No, what is I'm the, sorry we're out of time. You were, yeah, you had another part and I interrupted you. you I've, said, I've been on an interrupt well, a lot, but it's okay. But, but the I, I the Rodney thing... And then you had, or you, you, did he influence you a lot? And then you were about to say something else. Yeah, I was going to say it's an interesting psychology to me that people start off in the business struggling. They're not making a living. Da, da, da. Then you make, then you're making a great living, but you're still not happy. You're frustrated, even though you got a number one show and you got a number four show. What's going through your head at those times where ninety percent of the people in America would think this guy's got to be happy? This guy's he's got it made because they only see one aspect of the success. It always interests me the psychology of of, a, of an artist who isn't happy. Most artists with, are not happy with what yeah, they've done. When when it happens, when things line up and everything works. It's like I'll work on something and everything works and then it doesn't sell, you know, or I'll write something and it, and they'll pay you to write it or they won't and they're not interested. Or then all of a sudden it, everything everything that's ever happened to me uh, just shows up. It's just like, hey, you want to be in this play on Broadway? Uh, come see the play. And I go, oh my God, how can I not be in it? Or do you want to do this television show? Yeah, I'll do that. That seems fun. And then next thing you know, it just—it's all been accidental. It just I, the things I've worked the hardest at getting done. There's always a glitch in them. You just have to work your ass off. 
But maybe there's a lesson there in that, like, not the lesson's not don't work hard. The lesson is don't push too hard. Don't push too hard. But push, push to work. Push to do be all you can to be as great and collaborative and open. A lot of people get destroyed by not being open to people's suggestions. Now, that's what's right. great about being a stand-up. Nobody can say to you, "Don't do that before." Right. You know, don't don't ever do that joke again. You know, but if it's somebody you respect, you might never do that joke again or that story or whatever. The worst is coming off stage and getting like a, a hey man, I got a tag for you from like a mediocre or like a lame comic. Somebody wants to give you a tag. I don't think I've ever. I've taken a couple tags from you actually. You've you've, you've hit me with a couple. When I've gotten off stage a couple times, try this. I've done it. Well, it's I, good. I don't wear a helmet and try to get down the street <laughs> with a basket on my butt. But I'm saying it's like some comics just like they're delusional about. Well, you got to stay away level. from comics because you know it's the thing is if you're hanging out at a comedy club after you've done your set, there's it, when you're doing when you're doing sets and you're on the road. It's one thing you hang out with the person that you perform with usually. And you uh, have something to eat or drink or both, order, and you talk about stuff. You end up usually getting more done, you know, comedically. For sure. But if you're hanging out after the comedy club, uh, talking to people, the really good people are gone. They came there to do their set. Yep. And everybody else is just a hanger on and they're bottom feeders, yep. you know, and that's was always the case. I mean, it, just going to Mitzi Shore's funeral, I saw people I hadn't seen in so many years, and it was really good to see them. But it's like, wow, I haven't seen you in 35, 40 years. And it was really strange because I, I didn't recognize some of them. And yeah, I was really happy to see them. I felt bad for a lot of them uh -huh. because they, they just didn't either figure it out or they quit. Or right. they, and then sometimes or didn't you, quit. Um, or well, they should have quit. No, they didn't. They, they, nobody hired them. They, they had to quit. Right. Uh, but but in '78, you know, in '74, it was like a, co comics were like accountants. They were thousands of them. They were everywhere. You right. could go and play. I mean, the show "Make Me Laugh" was on, so I was on that. So all of a sudden, I was playing Cleveland and I was playing Pittsburgh and cities, working man cities. So you got to work right away. You know what I mean? It was yeah. It was just I worked. A different time. I worked right away. I was on the road constantly. There was never a time in your there's no, has there ever been a time where you were like oh man I, I better figure this out I, I'm not making yeah a I mean that happens I've, I've never not made a living I've You've never always made a living I always a made a living day one um, yeah and it wasn't always I didn't always make my year I mean there were times when once my taxes were paid I could buy a toaster <laughs> you know I mean when I moved to L A I, I lived in a I lived in Palms in a single apartment and right. and then I moved up to a one bedroom apartment. And then I knew it was time to move out when a guy, there was a fight the night before, and they found a shotgun in the pool the next day. Wow. That'll make any Jew that, move out of oh, an apartment wow. I'm leaving. I don't blame you. I don't want to be there. Yeah, I'm goodbye. not going swimming. So what were you going to say, Dave? I was thinking, out of everything you've done, like, what is the most proud piece of work that you've done that you're like, this is the, hands down, this is the best thing I've ever done? I guess uh, one of the things I'm proudest of is I made this TV movie called For Hope, and that starred Dana Delaney and had a lot of really good actors and actresses in it. And Polly Bergen played my mom, and Harold Gould played my dad, and Chris Demetral was my nephew. And it was based loosely, exactly, on events that transpired from the loss of my sister to this disease, scleroderma. So I made it for ABC, and uh, with the help of my manager, Brad Gray, and 
uh, Bernie Brillstein, and then ABC was really kind. Bob Iger and Ted Harbert were running the place, and um, I got to make this movie. I had a $3.5 million budget, and uh, it did really well. It beat all the ratings, but more importantly, it put uh, the disease on the map, a disease that affects mostly women, a huge black population in the world, um, people of a darker skin, because uh, I don't know how else to phrase it. You can't say African Canadian, but um, <laughs> but it was a it's a disease that is not gone, and I do benefits. Been doing them for thirty years, and uh, we've raised uh, forty six million dollars oh, wow. with the benefits that this wonderful woman and friend of mine, Sharon Monsky, started the foundation because she had the disease, and she's in the movie. We put her in it, and she played herself, you know, the guru of scleroderma. Um, that was, it, that was the most proud. I think I was, I think because I re- help people. And even now when I'm going somewhere, people say, you know, that movie really helped me. It let me know I was not alone. And it's a sad scenario. It's a comedy disease of the week movie. It starts off funny, and there's good levity written by Susan Rice. She wrote the script, and, and I directed it. And it was, um, and then it was... It gets, you know, disease of the week means, you know, you know, there's no happy ending to this. And because the disease is not curable yet. But there are people, we are, got, we've got people in so-called remission now, which is... It's amazing. It, yeah, people come up to me and go, you know, because we fund the Sclerodum Research Foundation. There's a couple foundations, but we're the SRF, whatever. We're, we, uh, sclerodermaresearch.org, but, or srfcure.org, or just call my mother. Oh, she's not alive. Don't call her. But but um, we lost my sister. She was 47. Jesus. So, no, Jesus was 34. My dad was 47 when he passed. 47. Really? That was a heart attack? No. Pancreatic cancer. Oh, that's right. I forget about that one. We'll bring this podcast right to the ground. Oh, my God. Sadness. Terrible. But that's a, that's a young age. That's young, man. That's young. That's young. And my uncles were 37 and 41 and 42, all heart attacks. So, yes, that? I just went to the doctor, and I have a, car, a new car that actually checks my heart as I drive. That's not true. Yo, when you're surrounded, that's why we get along. We've both been surrounded by death for a long, like... Yeah, a lot. A lot of tragedy. That'll make a comedian. You know, that'll... It'll make a comedian, yeah. for sure. Yeah, you, most comedians have seen some shit. Uh, no if they doubt. haven't, it's a pretty light show. Right. You know? You can feel it, you can see it, you can yeah, tell. Yeah, and when you, and you go, that guy doesn't go hardcore, she's, you know, not, it sounds like she's sing-songy or something. It's because maybe there's been relationships problems, but, but you don't know what anybody's been through. Right. Some people might choose a certain style of comedy that's as clean as a whistle and nice and all sunshine and flowers and just want to make people happy and maybe an older audience now and... And they had the hardest life ever. Totally. Because you know? I know so many people that we both do that have had so many, they've had cancer and they've had, you know, mastectomies and all this terrible stuff. And they go out and perform. Yeah. And they do their life. And my hat's off to those people. You look I it can't up. wait to take these headphones off. I feel like <laughs> I'm getting a disease. <laughs> they just popped up on their own. Oh, my God. They're, they're itch. Alive. I hate them. They're horrible. They're can fun. you change it? You don't even need them if you don't want. We can just talk. I can nah, just... it'll be weird. Right. I won't be able to hear my voice as importantly. You love this your makes voice. me feel like I'm doing something. Well, I don't love my voice. You love your voice. What are you talking about? You talk. You got a strong. You, you love you your like abs. A... <laughs> I got no abs anymore. I, well, I got them now after I... I lost weight on anxiety post vertigo. Yeah, that's nice. Tell audiences all your real problems. Yeah. Vertigo. I got a hemorrhoid. 
What do you got? A fissure? <laughs> no, I'm doing great. I'm You're doing, doing great. great. Down, doing down great. below. No, but I think about comedians. Oh, you're changing the subject. You got a problem I'm down br- below? No, I'm great. All right. Down below, I'm strong. Oh, strong? I'm strong. All right. I'm clean, strong. Are you, are you clean or you live in clean? Because you, you might be a, you're out dating. You know me. You, I haven't had a... kind of date. You haven't had a drink in a long time. Seven months. Seven months, Bob. I'm coming back because I well, enjoy... why are you coming back? You could stay off. No, I'm not fun. I'm not as much fun. I, I but want, if you I, smoke weed, I mean that takes you to a different place. I don't even smoke weed like I want. Like I, weed is everywhere. I don't smoke. I don't do anything right now. I'm serious. I'm like clean. Do you sober. still eat the pizza late at night? No, I haven't had dairy in eat. a month. You haven't had uh, any dairy. No dairy. Well, Nothing. That means you can't even suck on a cow's teat. <laughs> I'm done you with cows. You can't pull a Tom Green and get under a cow and just start sucking. I'm over. I'm over this. What if, healthy what if you're lifestyle. laying in a, in a barn and you passed out and a cow is suddenly over you and the udders are right in your face? At this moment, I let me ask you something. Does that make you think that? You, or do you think you might be gay if you do that? No. If you sucked things that looked like a bunch of penises coming off of a stomach. I'd suck all the cows right now. I need You'd milk. You'd suck cows. I need milk. You're, di- I, you're lactose tolerant. I'm li- I need, I, I, I'm missing cheese. Somebody told me some di- bad thing about fr- dairy. Have you tried That was a good one. No, I, uh, what, what I was what trying to say. What they say about dairy? It, it, it makes you gain weight? No, it's just bad for the mucus. It's a disease. It's all this shit. Mucus? Who's got mucus? Uh, whatever. You, Bottom hack, line is, I'm coming up? back to cheese. I'm coming back to tequila. And maybe in Irvine, I have a drink. You know what I mean? Maybe I, maybe I, I make a comeback. <laughs> but what I was going to say is, coming back to the, uh, to the subject, I always saw comedians almost like like boxers have very rich lives. Like that's why they do stories about boxers. But if you look at those old school comedians like the Buddy Hackett's, you know, and guys of that era, it's they funny you mention him, right? Those guys, they carried guns, they had rough lives. Sometimes they were bookies and comedians at the same time. Right. And I don't think there's been enough stories and I want to like my next knock on wood if everything goes smooth, I want my next movie to be a drama about and I've already written it, but it's like I want to go into like a life of a real, the dramatic shit that has that comedians come from. But that's what all the shows are. That's what they all are. Crashing, uh, I'm dying up here. Uh, all of them are serious. They're comics yelling at each other. They're not, you know, they're meant to be right to show dissension in the midst. I'm talking about a mo- just. I want to do a feature on one. One comic, kind of like Lenny, but kind of like a Lenny, kind of like a yeah. I want to do my own. You know, you get everyone's got a few stories that they need to get off their chest at some point. I want to tell my dark tale, you know, in, right. in movie form, you know, and uh, and that's just you know that's just me trying to put it out in the air, like hey, let's get that movie made. I I, I would the movie I would say, but the movie about a comedian. You're gonna follow a comedian around? No, 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 no. I'm just talking about it. I have. I already you do wrote, a famous comedian. No, I already. I wrote a script about a comedian that goes into the dark side of like organized crime and you know heavy shit happens. Oh, uh, my okay. point was, you know, a lot of comics they have dark past. They have had things happen. I was reading that book I killed, and it kind of goes. And I think you're in it for a minute. Someone mentions you, but you're not. They don't. They don't interview you. You in that book, but it's like. Tim Allen, Seinfeld, Dries, and all these good you know, guys from the road. Every time you hit the desk, it sounds like this. 
so I would stop doing it. I'm so heavy handed. Yeah, you're not you're not you're not doing a crucifixion. This is a podcast. (laughs) My point is, you're going over here, over here, over here. Let me. This is the law of of (laughs) physics of radio. Oh yeah, this is the law of. Can you hear that when I touch that? I thought it was. That's why I brought it up. Okay, so my point. My daughter was texting me, so I had to answer her. Uh, that's what happened a moment ago. I didn't gotcha. mean to get distracted. I just respond to my children. Family first on this show. Well, that's true. And most of mine are gone, so you're not going to be bothered. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> By the way, I, can't, I love your daughters. I can't wait to see they them. They love you, too, your Uncle Mike. And I mean, you, be, you better keep it that way. I know the whole family at this point. Well, you don't. Some not of the whole are, family. Some of them are at uh, Mount Sinai <laughs> over by... Uh, <laughs> Over by Warner's. <laughs> oh, after the show, I'm going to go over to the graveyard, talk to the rest of the family. Well, bring some rocks. We'll, uh, we'll let uh, them know we were there. You killed at your mom's funeral. Well, that's how she got there. <laughs> <laughs> you were amazed. That was the no, tightest well, the, 10 minutes. That, that was 20. Was it 20? Yeah. Man, you had and, the crowd and, and rocking. And there was a five-minute story from that eulogy that ended up in my last special. So that's the weird part, that the, the from the hardest stuff comes yeah. the funniest stuff sometimes. Yeah. It is. It's funny because some comedians don't believe that you got to go through stuff to, you know, have a, to be funny. That well, you can I don't have know a who good... these comedians are. You need to raise the people you talk to. Well, no, I don't want to name him. He's a big comedian. He's a big. I've seen him say it many times that he doesn't buy into the painful life. Well, I trend, don't blame you know? him. I mean, if he doesn't do that, then good. Yeah. You know, if if, if he doesn't have to, but then it wasn't thrown upon him. If he didn't have, you know, lose a brother or sister and be there for five years while they decomposed and watch them die. He's lucky. Uh, he's lucky, yeah. yeah. And then and then uh, if he had, and then he was still able to stay positive through it and said, I'm not going to let that affect me because my brother died. You know, I'm not going to, it's not going to bother me. I'm going to stay positive. Then you're kind of in denial. Right. You have to feel it. You have to deal with it. And, Absolutely. And if you're in the arts and if you're a comedian or a a motivational speaker or an actor you end up using it somehow and if you're not you're just trying to get through life as a dental hygienist and deal with the fact that you're taking care of your mom you know has there been any moments when you've been on stage had a rocking show crowd loved it standing O, but you felt empty after the show no that pretty much satisfies me that's it I think if I could ejaculate at that moment, that would that would be about it. <laughs> no, but I'm saying some people will go through the motions, have a great show, looks like a great show on paper, but your feeling is empty on stage. Has it um, ever? No, have no. You ever had a phase? No, like I that? feel very. The reason I'm out touring, the reason we're doing these dates, the reason in April I'm doing a spring tour that, that I'm springing on you right now, but but the, and that'll be theaters and stuff. But that won't be close. That excites me. Yeah, that's that literally that's you theaters. telling me that excites me. Knowing that we're going out on the road and they're paying you in Hanukkah gelt, which so is fine. I'll take gold covered chocolate. I'll take all the gold coin chocolate I can because that just excites me because it lets me know that my new stuff that I've been working on is is. Well, you'll get to. About, that's why I wanted to do the, the a bunch of clubs first. Yeah, that's why we're going to Kansas City, and that's why uh, Charlotte, North Carolina. You hear about that one? We're doing Portland. Portland. Um, we got Irvine, Oxnard, Portland, Kansas. Uh, Irvine, Oxnard, Kansas City, Portland. They don't have to be in order, you know. Yeah, they, know they, they can don't. go to my website. It's on there. Do you yeah. put the dates on the website? Yeah, on your I, website. I put it on Instagram. Yeah. I put it on Twitter. I do everything. We got. But Scott I mean, do you, put, do, you have a web, do you have a website? 
It's down right now. Mike Young Comedy. Why is it down? It's being reconstructed. By who? By a nine-year-old? No, my cousin is a... With construction paper? I've been helping him promote that stuff on Instagram for stories that need to be told so people know when you guys are performing. We got to get you up to... We got to get you on the website. We got to get you figuring out that. Well, don't have some guy putting it under construction. Yeah. (laughs) A website should be done in a day. At least the format can be done in a day. Listen, I've been busy. I have oh, to man. go on, I have to figure out I, I'm doing all this stuff I'm you know I had to grow my website and all this and so I'm growing that and then I've got to be able to write to all the people that send me their email to give me their information and not violate that and say hey I got a tour coming up and it's like you just oh, feel why? Are you cheesy you are know? you accepting emails from well people? my website always accepts emails which right it's been up for a long time yeah so I've got a database of people yeah so I accept them. All no, right. no, that you have to, you fill out, you don't have to fill out a form. It's not those websites of some comedians where you go or anything where you you go on and there's a pop up and it says before you do anything you got to join us. It's like uh, no, no thanks. I'm right. not in a cult. No, got to join you. <laughs> no, just come see us. There's a lactose intolerant, non-cow utter sucking comedian. <laughs> but All anybody, right. I'm I'm at the point now where if anybody is bringing me down, we, uh, you know, I just don't. I'm just I block them in life. I just don't I don't want it. If they're if they're put if they're doing negative, if they're telling me things that are bad for me, that are not good or helpful mentally or motivationally or, or don't out. have love and 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 that's um, that means I can't watch the news anymore. No, but you said it you've said it for a long time. I don't do negative. You no, I you don't. don't. You don't do negative. And you, by the way, you're so funny because you're one of the I've few had people. so much. But you're one of the few people who can say, I've seen it happen to you where a person has like approached you as a fan and they've come negative and you will stop them, which is like something I need to learn to do. You'll stop them dead in their tracks and look at them and just go, I don't do negative. Oh, I'm sorry. You, you got to go away. Like, you, or, I, you were, or I won't be. Lately, I mean, somebody came over and said, uh, you know, the worst, a lot of, Performers will tell you this. You're on TV, and then someone the next day says, um, oh, "I saw you last night on TV," and I'm like, "Yeah." <laughs> I mean, is there is there going to be a compliment, or you just wanted to say that? Right, it, leave it, it up for grabs. If I was go, good or no, not. No, no, you were you were. Uh, yeah, I saw you on that show. I said, "Well, what you're saying doesn't sound like a compliment. It sounds like you're trying to like build your ego up by talking to me." But but if you liked it, I hope you did. And if if and if you didn't, then you probably shouldn't have said hi. I can't stand passive aggressive aggressive people like well, that's that, what, coming but, up with but, a half. Compliment. But we're not in a great place in psychological mindsets. We we aren't in a positive place. We're in a place of put someone down. We're in a generation, and my kids are scared of what you know their millennial friends are like. And I like all people. All I'm not an ageist. You know, I'm friends with kids that are. 25 you know i mean yeah. i know all people and if people are eye rollers or they or they go yeah right you know the whole attitude is yeah you know don't laugh don't smile be too cool be the hippest kid in high school and stay that way the rest of your life then you'll succeed and and to win in a, in a relationship or whether it's business or or you're trying to like somebody and you're in your 20s early 20s and when you're in your teens when you're 14, you realize you get power by being the first person to walk away or end the conversation. And that's just not a relationship. That's not being a human. That's not letting things happen organically. 
and that's true. and that's a then you're not you're not able to let joy in either. You're Absolutely. not able to let happiness into yourself. I feel so. bad for the too cool. The too cool doesn't work out, buddies. No, too cool are people that talk to everybody that act act nice to people, but they're not assholes, mm. and they're also not overly glowing. They're not like. Wow, it's so great to meet you. That's like that's fake, right? And then it's Absolutely. the other thing is, um, you know, hey, I really dig your work. You know, I really like you. Well, if you say dig, they're seventy, but um. <laughs> exactly. And Mike, that's you said. That's what you loved about when you did a performance. You said Barry Katz talked you up because you said that you stayed true to yourself. You didn't make any comedy bits that wasn't about you. You would stay true, and it was. Well, that's my own personal style of comedy. I just decided when I started comedy that. If I wasn't gonna have a, if I wasn't gonna feel on stage and be, you know, as much me, because that was just my style naturally, mm-hmm. then I would not be able to succeed in comedy. For my own, that's just my own. Yeah, I appreciated that compliment for sure. That was just, I, I heard that he, I watched an interview. I can't remember who it was. Like somebody that I looked up to big time, and they always said they dropped themselves in the middle of every bit. And I knew early on, just being a, as a comedian. That I, I wanted the feeling of telling my real, just kind of bearing it out there. Because afterwards, I just felt better, like cathartic. And the so, more the more you do that, the more real you are, the better your show is, the better you feel a, a, after it. Like you weren't just yelling the whole thing. But if you're playing like a big, big house, if we go and do a couple thousand people, and, and you can talk like you're just talking, um, which right. is a real skill, which is where you get Dave Chappelle, you know, in front of five thousand, ten thousand, and you go, yeah. "Wow, did you see that? How cool that was!" He was just talking to him; he wasn't yelling at him. Right. He was just speaking his mind, and that's—I just love that. Of course, he's bringing—he's bringing them to him. And a true stand-up, I think, you know, there's different ways to do it, and, of course. and it's there's great no to rule. be an orator. Also, it's—you know—you can make proclamations. Of course. You know, what is it with this? You know, thing. Why is it like this? You know. <laughs> They might not say that in their normal life, but I know Jerry Seinfeld, and he has said, you know, why does the doorknob not turn to the left? Totally. You know, why why does it lock its... I don't know. I'm just making no, but a, that's ba- his... a bad premise up that he that he would kill. Right. But. He's endlessly curious. Yeah. and he, But he's also cynical, right. and he has a joy about it, so that's the funniness, because he gets joy out of it. It's funny. I've which only... is why he doesn't stop doing it, because yeah. he gets pure joy out of... Crafting a great bit about when you're, you know, taking a power drill and screwing in a screw and the head breaks off. Although I don't think he has any material that has to do with home improvement. <laughs> That'd be Tim yeah, Allen. He gave Tim Allen, yeah, he yeah. gave Seinfeld Tim Allen's bit. Well, yo, you showed me the clock. We've been talking for an hour and fifteen minutes. That's a that's a long time for us. I know you we have, never get to see. We don't ever. We're get gonna to do talk. a live. We're going to do Instagram Live or Facebook Live on Friday. We'll be doing that. Absolutely. Or maybe we'll do it Saturday. And Joshua Turk will be there on Friday. But he's not going to hear this because this happens after the fact. Yeah. He, I mean, when, he, when does this come out? When is this? It comes out. This this will come out tomorrow. Oh, then then definitely people can uh, hop yeah. on the train yeah. so, to Irvine, California, if they live in, like, Montreal. So I'll just wrap it up like this. Bob Saget. I thought you were going to say fuck you. (laughs) (laughs) I was going to say Friday, Friday, and Saturday. Bob, thank you for coming to my podcast. Or however I reacted. Or however you reacted, Martin Mull. Uh, 
No, I love you, buddy. I love you, too. Yeah, and man. I want people to know that it's purely physical. You're a brother. You wear a chain. I'm a brother. You're you are a brother. My, you are my brother. I would punch you out in a bar. You have gotten more people to see me on stage. You did my movie, A Stand-Up Guy. You were awesome in it. I did catering. You know what I mean? You, I froze Snickers. You I, make a hell of an egg roll. Everybody I, still thanks you. I've never hit on any actress you worked with. Nope, me either, by the way. I know. That's you important. Know not not, not at all. The, not at all. That's the other thing about Mike that's really redeemable. That's one of the best things. What? Is uh, well, you're not a guy that somebody's going to say he did this to me and he did that nah. to me, and things are going to be. It's not stories that don't need to be told. <laughs> you don't have that. I, I, I have a couple me. things in my past that I wish I had done differently, including the you know I got divorced and, but but you know I'm lucky I'm getting married again, which is really fun. <laughs> You Why'd you laugh at that? <laughs> Why'd you laugh? I'm getting married and you look mocked. Because Bob will show me the clock as if to say, we've been on a long time. And then, and then I start on marriage. And we'll be on another 30 minutes. Well, you complimented me. I love stuff. it. We, got, we, we can go to 2 o'clock. I can. I got to get picked up and go to this premiere for this Bobcat Goldthwait movie. Oh, I saw him talking about That's it on awesome. Kimmel last night. Yeah, I've got to hit the road. Okay. I've got to hit the road because i got to go home and i got a bunch of stuff to do because I'm planning many things so maybe we'll drive to irvine together we never I mean? do i always suggest it i you know what i got I, a new so car you'd like it oh maybe i do you're that. right i could tie you to the hitch on the back on a wagon i love irvine by the way we'll have fun friday well, night speculum center it's beautiful spectrum oh that's why i go to the wrong yeah, place was it is it not fortune drive anymore it's spectrum center drive they moved it they didn't move the actual improv. Years ago, they did. That's why, oh. if you look on the thing on Instagram, it gives you a couple of addresses. The audience knows what I'm talking. You'll about. find it. It's, you don't it's, know it's in the middle of a just gigantic. Learning mall. How, you're like my my Fourth uncle kid. Joe. <laughs> he would like stare at the phone and not know how to turn it on. You don't. I've had to teach you how to repost about twenty times. You are the king of social media. You're, no, you're so I'm not. On not the king of, but you're, you're so on stern. No, but you're on top of your tech game. Well, no, I'm not. I just I know how things work. I know how to turn a light on. No, you're on top of your. Tech Are you game. good you're at home? Do you yours. change bulbs? I change bulb. Anything you physical change, I can when do. When you change a bulb, do you feel like you're 80? I can. I change the high <laughs> ceiling bulbs with that little suction thing on a pole. Well, I had a guy at the house this morning, uh, <laughs> because in in my guest house, I had a an air vent that was starting to come out of the ceiling. Which meant if you're laying in the bed, a piece of metal will just come off because you know you put your filter in and yeah. it's just the out the outtake, you know the in draw the draw the in, you know it's inward draw and <laughs> wow. then uh, it it would fall down it could hit people on the bed and, and hurt them and if my daughter's there with her boyfriend who knows it could ruin him for life. Is this no, the guest house? Have no grandchildren. Is yeah, in the guest house. Yeah, I've been in there. I I don't remember. But wow. anyway, um, what happened was. Um, Wow, you just brought back memories for me. We, we stories do not need to be told. No, and then, my story. And that well, anyway, anyway. the, the air, he replaced it this morning, and um, I just had to. Um, what's the end of that story? The end of the story is that people you need to get home to see the people that are working no, in your he's house not, he's without gone. you being there. He's gone. Before I came here, he finished it. <laughs> okay. It was very exciting. If I have one story, I just wanted to talk. Every time I've met you, you've been extremely nice. I don't know if you, there's no way you remember this, but I actually worked on your show, Raising Dad, and had a conversation. Are you kidding me? No. I, I that met, was a really good show. Yeah, I liked it. I was that show should have lasted. That show was uh, screwed over bad. 
We did. Uh, what'd you do on it? Well, I was just a background extra, and I had talked to you because it was like right when Half Baked came out, and I asked you a question about it, and then you told me how you got on it, and you were like involved with filming dirty work, and it was like, to this day, it was one of my favorite stories, and. Like, you were extremely nice to me, and obviously you... That was an act. I'm a prick. (laughs) And you you had no idea who I was, and every time I've met you, you've been the nicest person I've ever... And I still don't know who you are. (laughs) No, I do. I do. He Stock tip Dave. It, I know. You say his name every six minutes. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. I know <laughs> every, you forgot. You thought time. it was Backpack. No, you say it constantly. Backpack Jim. I thought it was Backpack Dave. But what, 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 uh, what that show was, Raising Dad, that's an example of being on the wrong network and just getting screwed over. So that we, we were on the CW or the WB. I don't know which one it was at the time. It was WB first, right? Yeah, yeah. So we so. were in WB. And Jonathan Katz, who is Dr. Katz, who's a brilliant comedian and a friend, and he's just an amazing guy, uh, wrote, wanted to write a pilot about his life. And Norman Steinberg was the exec producer, and Norman was one of the writers of Blazing Saddles with Mel. And he also wrote My Favorite Year, which oh, is, wow. you know, so he was the real deal. So the two of them were the, were the top of the show. And then um, my daughters on the show were Kat Dennings and Brie Larson. Those are my daughters on the show. And my dad um, was uh, Hesh from The Sopranos. Wow. Yeah, Jerry Adler. And um, Megan Good was on the show. As Love her. Cat's girl. You stay away. And she's a kid. <laughs> oh, she's not a kid anymore. She was on that show? Yeah. yeah. A lot of people were on Kat that Dennings, show. Cat Dennings. I remember Camille Guate was on that show as well. Yeah. It was a powerful, really well cast show. Wow! Um, Susan Bash, I believe, is the name of the casting director. But it was it was an amazing experience. We did twenty four episodes. Um, it actually they played really well in England, um, huh. the one season, and then uh, we had no more. But um, people, they, they didn't. People didn't. It didn't catch on, and and it was uh, really well done. What it was, a cast. Yeah, I and the scripts were good. I mean, it had really good writers on it, really nice people. For a show to work, does it just have to be a perfect storm? You just like need you luck. You need well, you need quality. Ta- then we luck. need strong, strong quality and talent and and writing, of course. So. Writing is the number one. And I do a full right. Fuller House episode next week. <laughs> Are you filming next week? I am. I am. So I'll, it so never I'll, ends. I'll get out all the. All my demons on Friday and Saturday. I just want to entertain people. Maybe I'll come see a filming next week. I'm there. I, it's uh, next Friday is the big night where yeah. the audience is there, so you'd probably want to go to that. Yeah, I don't want to. Yeah, I just want to drift by. I don't think John's there next week. Um, Stamos, good yeah. dude. Oh, Dave is. Dave's directing it. Really? Yeah. He's if he, I, stepping I'm into like, the realm. He's been doing it. And oh, I didn't know said, that. They said if you. Uh, if you tell me what to do, I'll punch you in the stomach. So that's basically. <laughs> Dave Coulier was on my hockey team for one season. I said, oh, really? Yeah. He's a good hockey player. He is a good hockey player. I said, Dave, is there anything you want me not to do? We can just cut it out. <laughs> that was the big joke for the Full House people. Nobody know You two don't know it. Will you do the whole run through all week and then go and then you'll film on Friday? Well, you rehearse. See, television. This is how, me, this is how show School business works. School me real works. quick. Uh, you, you go in and, and you, you you get the script and you you put it on its feet. You do every scene and then you show it to all the writers and the net and uh, not the network yet. Maybe yeah, the network too. And everybody has notes. And then uh, the next day you do it again. And then the day after that you start uh, filming it. And you you rehearse it a little bit, not much, and you film it. And then it's hard to remember lines when they're not 
there's not a lot of meat to them right. when you don't know why you're saying them. Right. And that's what um, Full House, I would I'd have to walk into a room and go, what's going on? And I couldn't remember the line. You know, so I would write that it on the door frame, you know. Yeah. I'd just post it everywhere, and I'd read the back of a pan when I was in the kitchen cooking eggs for everybody. <laughs> you I that you improvise? Really? Were you allowed to improvise any of your lines? Always, always at the end, you could button it with something. Or if something's not working, you go, this isn't working, and you work on it. So, yeah, it's always been pretty uh, collaborative for what it is. It's a family show. You know, it's a, it's a show serves a purpose, and people love it. And there's more reboots than ever in the history of television. Of course, we never had as many venues of television. You never had a, 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 a bank of vault of shows like Netflix or even Amazon and all these places you can get your shows but to, to reboot so many shows right now tells you that people don't want to be in the present they want to be in the past isn't that interesting they don't they don't I feel like they're not feeling a future they're not feeling the same future and and the people that are feeling the future are feeling like they're fighting with the people that are feeling they're not feeling the future because they don't want that to be their future and the people that think that we're on the right path and want this to be the future it must be nice to feel that way i mean it, it yeah I, I i'm concerned yeah um people I, are looking for they're they're looking to feel good again and they didn't well, they don't feel good now and they don't see they don't see the future feeling good so they're writing well, things to put them back it's 2018 we don't need a civil war i mean like a real civil war no if there's a real civil war in this country I can't imagine it. It seems like a couple yeah, nut, yeah. nuts, maybe, but yeah, I mean no. to actually go out and shoot anybody. The army comes in. You know, we're not having a civil war. I'm not on that. I'm just playing Irvine shit. this weekend. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> Friday and Saturday, Irvine. I had two shows each night, and yeah, then uh, August, uh, whatever I said, third and fourth, we're not, in Kansas is, City. Is that what? Oh, yeah. Is that where that. we are? Yep. How do you know all these things? And then you just go to bobsaget.com for everything Yeah, just else. do that, because I, I, I have to do that. Yeah. Yeah, then we go, yeah, the 3rd and the 4th, we're in Kansas City, and the 10th and 11th, we're in Oxnard, and the 17th and 18th, we're in Charlotte, and then I do a Fuller House, and then uh, something else happens. Oh, we play Portland, the 14th and 15th of September, and then I go on a, on a honeymoon. And then I can't wait to get back from if it's your honeymoon. honeymoon. Well, I don't know about that. <laughs> Start a spring tour. <laughs> get back already. We got to get going. Okay. On that tour. Yeah, I'm. I'm ready. I'm ready to play. And I can't, I can't wait to I play can't, Nashville. I can't again. wait to see you Friday night. I'm. I can wait for Nashville. We were just there. I know. Were we? Yeah. It was like five months. Yeah, it's every year we go somewhere. Love Nashville. You still don't know how this works. We've been <sighs> doing this ten years. It's unbelievable. You can't figure out that you don't go back a month later. <laughs> What? It's we amazing did, I get so much so, done. We did so good, though. <laughs> Since you guys travel so much together, is there anything that you guys have done together that has stuck out the most, that's been like the most fun or something that just... Uh, we had sex with Siamese twins. <laughs> that, that was in Minnesota. Oh, yeah. And these dudes were tough. <laughs> oh, man. Jimmy and John. Yeah. <laughs> Shout out to Jimmy and John. Jimmy and John Johnson. Yeah. No, we keep it professional, Dave. We just we don't do roller coaster shit. We talk like men. We've written Yeah, things. once in a while we'll take we a work. walk together. We're like when my fiance uh, Kelly, we walked around uh, Portland. We kind of walked over a bridge. Yep. <laughs> was that Portland with the bridge? Yeah, Portland has a bridge. I thought we. Well, I thought the bridge was somewhere else. Is this? Is this when you were drinking still? Probably. I think you were. 
Because we would go to that place at the top of the place that we don't say on yeah, the Yeah, I remember the top of the place. I met the girl in the street. I brought her up. She was girl in the oh, street. She's so great. Doesn't sound she's so good. <laughs> I met a girl in the street. Like, oh, she's perfect for you. Yeah. I I'd love to sorry. meet a girl yeah. in the street. All right. I'm going right. to go get ready to go to this thing, and then I'll see you on Friday. See you Friday. I'll see you every day. Okay. And then Bob Saget on Stories That Need to Be Told. Our guest. Long overdue, by the way. Long overdue. I'm I asking you, you s- why have you never invited me? You, never I've invited happened. you, but you didn't say to me, how about Wednesday? You no. never said, you got you to gotta set a date. You and most people go to go publicist, but you and I are friends. So. You don't remember. I've, I, we talked about it many times. Did you I have to you, cancel the date? Did I have to busy. say I can't do it Tuesday? Yes, yes. Well, many I'm here weeks. and I'm exhausted and I'm here for you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. Once again, and Bob my... Saget, stories that need to be told. This is Mike Young. That was an extra 20 minutes, by the way. Literally. After well, we say goodbye. That's the Jewish goodbye. It never ends. <laughs> we'll be here till four o'clock. What about the Jewish relatives you have when you see it when you go to an event, whether it's a bar mitzvah or a wedding or something, and you see them at it, and they go, "How come we never see you?" And it's like I'm, you're looking at me right now. Yeah, this is Do it. We want to enjoy this moment, and then we can decide if we want to see each other again. Right. Create more moments. Yeah. Instead of just going like, "Remember that t- twenty years ago?" Yeah. 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 That was great. That was Although really great. I am a fan of. Memories. Memories, reminiscing. It helps with your writing. If you're writing something, you've got to have a memory of good times. I actually had the a... show? Yeah. When I, the show Good remember Times? Remember I wrote Good Times? Yeah. I you put J.J. Walker on that show when I was four. It's a Norman Lear show. Love Norman. Don't even get me started on Norman Lear. The last thing I'll say, because I am a writer, director, and, and I will say this. When I was a kid watching Norman Lear shows, I would wait till the end, and I would see Norman Lear's name come up. And I didn't know anything about the business, obviously. I was from Detroit. But I would I'll sit there and say to myself, I want to be that guy. Like, that guy. Who's that guy? Who's the guy? Well, everybody that... wants to be that guy. And but I'm as lucky. a kid, you don't know what that is. But I remember seeing Norman Lear's name. I just name. did his podcast. That was the last podcast I did. I just uh, posted it up on my Twitter. So that, you do, and that's his. You do his. Norman Lear and you do Mike Young. I, they're right that's in the amazing. same company. God. He called me delicious in the intro. God, do I admire. <laughs> it was delightful and delicious. And then he sang, and the lovely. But uh, he's, he's going to be 96, this man. He is beyond legend. Wow. Well, he he's, it, 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 everybody always goes legend, you know. Uh, they always go, and it's because you're just not dead, you know. And icon, you know, uh, goat. It, it, really? I mean, he just tapped you're, into. He's just. He's just got to be. A, I don't know him. I've only met him once at one of your parties. For a, I shook his hand, but I mean, I'm just saying, the guy tapped nicest into. Nicest man in the world. He's, too. but he's got to have well, he's such brilliant a brilliant as a as a human. He's. A, He's a really caring human. He must be an empathetic to the tenth degree person to understand character like he does. He, like he did. He went through a lot of stuff. Yeah, I, mean, he, I read he his had, book. He had a, a Edith type of relationship with his first wife. Um, who yeah. came up with goat as the term? I mean, I, somebody called me a goat. And I thought they were just making fun of me. Greatest. It came from Ali, Muhammad Ali. Greatest. I, I of know all what time. it came from, but I didn't. When did it? <laughs> I don't know who came up with some, it. It was no. It must have been four years ago. It couldn't have been anywhere longer. It's definitely a more recent. There's nothing I hate more than brand new lingo that people all use on all the shows. Yeah, and then you know. I don't do new lingo. Oh, it, well, I do. You're well. You're cunning that way. <laughs> All right. All right, Bob. Thanks Before for coming. I'm, I'm done too. I'm not lingering after you leave. This is I'm Oh, you're not going to hang show. out with the other podcasters? Uh, I'm going to end the show right now. And talk you ready? about how sad life is. I thought you had to go. I you do. don't even have to go. I'm I'm a goat. <laughs>
<laughs> you have to go. I have to go. I have to eat a can. All right. Bob Saget, Stock Tip Dave. Thanks, buddy. Stock Tip. You take care of yourself. Thanks for the compliment. I'm we'll see you, you Friday and Saturday in Irvine. Check BobSaget.com for all the dates. Mike Young signing out. Thanks again, Bob. Make it, sure we're making done? people happy. <laughs> Yo, we'll stretch door it out. Door to door. An encore joke. You I stretched about? it out this morning. <laughs> Did you? Pilates? What's your bit with pizza or something? One for, I'll eat you later. What's that? I'll eat you first. When you come home with Taco Bell and you're high, you're like, I'll eat you first. Second, I'll eat you third. And you always have a stool at your house like you do on stage? <laughs> it's my, it's my, I'm working on my mime skills. Feng my mimicry. Way, I move that. I'm doing I, your bits. I got to get better on my mimicry. No, I'm doing a just... I'm doing a bunch of new material, by the way. Like, well, you're gonna hear a don't bunch of new stuff. Me, let's enjoy ourselves. Let's enjoy it. Okay. Can you, can you guys end with a joke or no? No, no, no. no, no you don't. don't do that. Real, you, have you, you never if, met a comedian? No, never, Dave. You, that's, you, you might lose your job on oh, that. Poor Dave. <laughs> poor Dave. He's working. No, you on can't. It. You can't end with it. No can't, joke. You can't ask somebody to like. It's like, hey, sing a song. You know. No. It's like, hey, got Paul McCartney here. It's like Chris Farley. Why did I do that? You know. No, you can't. You just made everything on. Speaking, speaking of Paul McCartney, <laughs> I saw Colin Hay at the Largo. You know Colin Hay from I love, Network? Of course, man, that's a, that's a whole other podcast. But he's really good. He is amazing. He sings that song about I drink good coffee every morning. morning. That's a hell of a song. <laughs> that was on a soundtrack. Ben Stiller put it on. It was on Garden State. Oh no, it wasn't Ben Stiller. It was um, Zach Braff. Zach Braff, yeah. Garden State soundtrack. But he's got ten songs like that that are just amazing. That he's, dude can write a, a he's, song. He's amazing. Supposedly, he's if my, he was here, he'd sing a song. He wouldn't tell a joke. And though. he's a funny dude. <laughs> he was funny. In Here's a joke. Uh, when I was young, I had a lot in common with the Incredible Hulk. I saw a pretty girl and I burst out of my pants. So that's like, <laughs> I wrote that when I was like eighteen. Is that your first, I, that your first that, joke? That and Wendy's hot and juicy and I should know I'm her husband. <laughs> Those are the jokes I wrote. So people go, why'd you get blue? I got. I started you that way. You started blue. Little boy blue. You've so evolved. we did an extra 35 minutes. I'm taking off the headset. Oh, go. Take it off already. You're the one All keeping right. us. Oh, my God. It's stuck to my hair. All right. Thanks what, for what, having what, us. What, Stories what? that need to be told. We're out. We're gone. Take me back. When I was a kid, take me never back had now. to worry about what I did. The one time I'm a man two. now, what's Check the plan it out. now? Gotta the get it down, sound. no time getting for down now. now. Take me back uh, when I was a one, kid. Two. Never had to worry take about what back. I Coming did. Coming back for you. But I'm a man now, what's the plan now?